let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we continue our reflections into the richness of the gospel text. And once again, we are in the second Sunday of Easter, which means we have the opportunity to talk about Divine Mercy Sunday and more specifically the gospel that comes to us from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. Now it's interesting. Usually we get a different reading on an annual uh, basis, but with Divine Mercy Sunday, it is different. Uh, We always go to John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. And so we're going to do more than just rehash what we've talked about in the past as it relates to Divine Mercy Sunday and this particular gospel. Uh, And by that, I mean we are going to focus in on this gospel verse by verse, okay, to bring something a little bit original to our evening reflection for Divine Mercy Sunday, and I am most excited once again this evening to uh, bring in Debbie Rosales. She has been away for a while, so Debbie, great to have you with me another Thursday. It's great to be here. So Divine Mercy Sunday, uh, Debbie, as I was just mentioning, um, I'm not going to get into the origins of the Divine Mercy. I just want to direct our listeners to my website and my archives. Just go to joeholcraft.org, that's J-O-E-H-O-L-L-C-R-A-F-T.org, Hit the show's link there and go to April 9th, 2015, and uh, there I do more or less a thumbnail sketch of what Divine Mercy Sunday is all about, and I also offer up a reflection on St. Thomas the Apostle. So we'll spend a little time, Debbie, talking about St. Thomas the Apostle, but again, I want to go through this text verse by verse, and really, um, while focusing in on the theme of mercy, get into this text for what it is, and why do we have this text on uh, Divine Mercy Sunday? You know, we talk about the revelation of God's divine mercy through Sister Faustina, St. Faustina Kavaska, but let it be said and let it be known that the first revelation of divine mercy is sacred scripture itself. Sometimes that can get lost on us as Catholics, and, and for that reason, we spend time in sacred scripture each and every uh, Thursday. Now, that being said, before we jump into the gospel, Debbie, you came in here uh, to this radio station this evening, and you you made an observation. You know, you were talking about uh, a homily you just heard, and you said, gosh, isn't it interesting that uh, a homily I've heard before uh, touches me differently? Now, what's going on there? How does a gospel uh, that we've heard uh, and a homily that we've heard before touch us differently? You know, we get these readings on an annual occasion. Why? Yes, repetition's good, but something else is going on there. Hopefully, we are in a different place. And if we are in a different place, yes, and if we are in a different place, then we are going to hear what we've heard before differently. You know, I think that's one of the beauties of journaling, Mm, mm, you know, and I think that's why so many spiritual directors encourage us to journal, because you can look back and go, wow, I don't, you know, I don't remember this or that, or oh my goodness, my Lord, he just gave me that that experience again, and yes. it was totally new and fresh. Yes. And, you know, Scripture is so that way. It's like this beautiful flower that continues to just unfold mm. for us. Mm. And the story of Jesus and his death and resurrection is certainly one that 
I don't think we can ever get to the bottom of. Yeah. I think it's just a fountain of eternal glory. Amen to that. Yeah, I mean, what does the word mystery mean? The word mystery comes from the Greek mysterion, which literally translates inexhaustible reality. Inexhaustible reality. God's love is infinite, yeah. right? So you could never exhaust it. No. And for that reason, when we hear a gospel text that we've heard hundreds of times, mm -hmm. thousands of times, yeah. I mean, think of that one gospel text. Maybe it's the prodigal son. How is it that you can listen to that parable again and again and again and again and continue to get something out of it? Mm -hmm. It's because of God's inexhaustible love. Right. It's because of God's inexhaustible love. And I love the fact that you brought up Debbie journaling because you know, St. John Paul II used to talk about how he would go on a pilgrimage, mm -hmm. but he would put it in the context of the past, how he would go into the past mm -hmm. and he's made to see how God worked in his life in the past and it gave him an appreciation for not only who he was, but who God was calling him to be because we can forget. Oh boy. I mean, I can. I don't know what I had forget. for dinner last yeah. night. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. What did you have for dinner last night, Debbie? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think I did. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, I mean, we have to appreciate this dynamic that's going on, mm -hmm. which essentially is appreciating uh, the moment that is before you. Benedict XVI once said that the greatest gift of Christianity is the present moment. Yes. It right? is the present moment because that is what we have. Mm. And what is God wanting to show you in that present moment? Right. You know, you were talking about a homily that you heard. God wanted you to see something in that present moment that was different than any other moment. Yep. That's the beauty of God's inexhaustible love. Mm. Amen to that. Speaking of God's inexhaustible love, and let us go. <laughs> yes, amen. <laughs> let us go to a text that we've probably heard already. Again, John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. And as I said off the top, we're going to go through this verse by verse to really appreciate what John wants us to see. All right, so John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Okay, we read on the evening of that day, the first day. Let us just pause there and appreciate uh, who John is, just not as an evangelist, just not as a theologian. You know, we, we know him as the eagle because he soars, his theology is so rich, but also, Debbie, as a literary master, mm. as one who strategically writes one sentence after another, one verse after another, so that we might gain a deeper appreciation of what God was doing. Now, why am I talking about this? Well, let us go back into the first chapter of John for a second. What do we read? In the beginning, mm -hmm. what was John doing? Well, he wants us to be thinking about creation because he goes on to talk about light, darkness, days. Um, and as I like to point out, <laughs> the first expression of man being woman. All of these realities are tied to the book of Genesis. In point of fact, his uh, Greek, uh, Iniarche, translates the Hebrew from Genesis uh, 1, uh, Be Sharif, in the beginning. So he wants us thinking about creation. So to use day is to really focus in on creation. And here he is in verse 19, talking about the evening of that day. And then he goes on to speak of the first day of the week. Mm -hmm. What is this first day of the week? 
Well, it is the first day of resurrection. This is Easter Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. Right. This is the day that it's all about. This is the day why Jesus came. This is Resurrection Sunday, the first day, the new day. No other day in history was like this day. On Good Friday, what do we hear? No one set of three hours were ever like those three hours that Christ endured his passion, right? right. One of the things that strikes me about this whole idea of the first day is that, Debbie, it is a new day. Mm -hmm. And how do we respond to a new day? You know, it is uh, springtime mm -hmm. and we are seeing uh, the buds on the trees. You were talking about a flower earlier. We are seeing the blooms to the flowers. Mm -hmm. um, we are hearing certain birds sing for the first time in a long time. And what is happening when we see and hear that? Our spirits are lifted. Mm -hmm. Do we appreciate the first day, the new day of Easter, the same way we appreciate spring? I mean, what is going on here? We have to look at this. God always uses creation as a kind of prism, Debbie, to better understand what it means to be a new creation in Christ. And we have to start regarding this truth for what it is, especially within the context of being made new in Christ. A few weeks ago, I was asked, Debbie, you know, what is one of the great themes to St. Paul? What is the richest theme? Well, the richest theme to St. Paul, and you only hear him use this phrase twice, but it is that we are a new creation a new creation in Christ. in Christ. That's what it's about. Why does St. Paul say, without the resurrection, our faith is in vain? Because without the resurrection, <laughs> there's no new day. There's no first day. And the first day, the new day, is what it's all about. Oh, it's so rich. It's mm. so beautiful. We also have on that day, we're beginning the new covenant. Mm -hmm. We're beginning the new kingdom. Mm. We're beginning the new church. And there's a lot of news going on here, yeah. a lot of really important stuff. All of which are interconnected. You just all said covenant, kingdom, and church, and they're all interconnected in the sacramental life of the church. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. It is. And it, it's a necessary thing, mm -hmm. right? Because what we'll read here about in a second is that he um, gives them the Holy Spirit. He breathes upon them the Holy Spirit. He had to uh, rise and ascend because of that very reason. Now, before we get there, Debbie, I do want to speak to something else that is going on here in this passage, and that is this uh, dynamic of fear. Yeah. The doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And my translation says the door was locked. Mm -hmm. More than just closed. Yes. It was locked. Yes. Yes. So what's going on there? You know, why is John talking about fear? Mm -hmm. Well, what does he say in his first epistle? First John 4, 18 perfect love casts out fear. St. John does not say perfect love casts out hate. St. John does not say perfect love casts out pride. He says perfect love casts out fear because fear doesn't proceed from hate and pride, those things which we often think of as antonyms to uh, love. No, hate and pride are consequences of fear. Yes. And what is it that we fear? We were talking beforehand Where's Thomas? Right. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> Where's Where Thomas? Where is he? <laughs> what was he fearing? Huh? What is going on here? He didn't Certainly. even want to be with them. No. Evidently. No. He's like, wait a minute. One they can't find. Eleven of us, ten of us, they can find. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm going to go hide. <laughs> yeah. And, well, the gospel says it. 
for fear of the Jews. Exactly. They, they don't want to, at this point in time, know the same fate, experience the same fate of their master, right? Right. So they were in fear, um, in fear of being wrong, mm-hmm. right? Peter just denied sure. him three times. So in fear of being wrong, mm-hmm. um, maybe above all else, in fear of being made vulnerable, Debbie. No, I think we can all take this passage and own it mm-hmm. because we all have our fears. Sure. But this is why he came, right? Mm-hmm. What is that great passage that comes to us from Romans chapter 8, verses 14, 15? We did not receive the spirit of slavery in which we fall back into hate, in which we fall back into pride. No, in which Sin. we fall back into fear, in, fear. in which we fall That's back into fear. We have received the spirit of adoption, in which we cry, Abba, Father. This is the great invocation. This is the great gift. We just said it. He came to ransom us from our sin. Yes, but also that we might share in his very life. And we can only do that in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Romans 8, 15 becomes huge that he has now empowered us to cry, Abba, Father. So he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to cry, Abba, Father, in all circumstances. Why? To overcome our fears. Mm-hmm to overcome our fears. And this is so important. And so how do we do that? Well, we allow Christ in. Mm-hmm. You said it, the doors were locked. Right. They had set up their contraptions. Mm-hmm. Maybe their apparatuses around. I don't know, <laughs> right? But they locked themselves in. And yet, do we not do the same? Oh, yes. We lock ourselves in. We lock in. our hearts up, yes. for sure. And again, Jesus passes through all of the muck and the mire and the apparatuses and the contraptions and the lockings and so on and so forth. And he says to us, what, Debbie? Shalom. Shalom. Peace be with you. When we talk about peace, we're not talking about just the absence of warfare. The absence of warfare, once again, is the consequence of something else, spiritual welfare, right? The very Hebrew word shalom best translates as what? Covenant harmony with God covenant harmony with God. So (laughs) he he passes through the locked doors and he says, peace be with you. The catechism of the Catholic Church, Debbie, says peace is a goal of the Christian life. Alongside of joy, one of the great fruits of the Spirit, because it is where we encounter the living God. So we're made vulnerable. So we're wrong. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay to make mistakes. In fact, it's often in light of the mistakes we make that we become a better version that God is calling us to be. Every saint had a past, Mm -hmm. just as every sinner has a future. Mm -hmm. We've been studying the saints and the great Christian thinkers every Monday. Debbie, let me tell you something. A lot of these saints had quite a past, you know? Sure. And I say every sinner has a future because we are sinners, Debbie. And the saints model to us how to get up a second time a third time, and a fourth time, and become that person that God is calling us to be. He casts out all fear. Mm -hmm. He casts out all shame. And he says simply, peace. And how um, apropos that Thomas shows up on Divine Mercy Sunday. Mm -hmm. He's obviously gotten himself in quite a tither. Mm -hmm. He's all balled up somehow. Mm -hmm. And how beautiful, you know, God... From the beginning, knew this was going to be Divine Mercy Sunday. We yeah. just weren't in on it yet. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah, mean yeah. that he yeah. didn't have that in his divine plan. Amen. And Bishop Barron said something very beautiful in one of his reflections um, 
during Lent, God is not so concerned with our frivolous preoccupation with our sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He wants us to go to confession and get on with our mission. In a nutshell, that's what peace be with you is. Be at peace. Be at peace. Thomas, be at peace. I've forgiven. I've forgiven that you weren't here last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's heal this and get on. We have a lot to do. We got a mission ahead of us. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, what do we read in the next verse? Mm-hmm. You know, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So here we have, well, that commissioning. Mm -hmm. The come and the go. Um, There's a lot to be said about discipleship between the come and the go, Mm -hmm. right? Because Jesus says to us, to you and I, Debbie, and to all of our faithful listeners out there, come and see. Mm -hmm. He's constantly inviting. Mm -hmm. Uh, He invites us so as to encounter us. And the more we encounter him, what happens? Well, what did we hear at the Lord's Supper last week? He called those closest to him his friends. Why? Because he wanted to assure them, even the one who was going to deny him three times, that he still is his friend. Right. And as a friend, I will commission you. Mm-hmm. Why is friendship with Christ so important? Because it is within that context that we get to know our Lord intimately. It is in that context that we can really have that authentic dialogue about not only who he is, what his mission was about, but who we are. You know, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And he also asks us another question. Who do I say you are? Mm -hmm. How important is that? And we can only come to understand that, Debbie, within the context of friendship. So once we are his friends, he sends us forth, Mm. right? right? Come and go. I was noting a few weeks ago. Uh, two-thirds of God's name is go, right? <laughs> so we have to embrace something here. We have been commissioned. Cum missio, right? Mission means in the Latin to be sent, huh? To be sent. What is cum? With. We are sent not with something, but someone. Right. Not alone. Yes. Not alone. Not alone. Because he's given us what? Well, what did we just read? The gift of the Holy Spirit. The in the Hebrew, ruach, ruach, the breath of God, right? In the Greek, panuma, same thing, breath. In the Latin, spiritus, same thing, mm-hmm. right? The breath of God. Right. It's interesting. You know, Debbie, we often say, um, I, I lost my breath. And when we lose our breath, uh, we panic. Um, and the first thing we want to do is catch our breath. Mm-hmm. Well, what is Jesus saying here? You've lost your holy breath. Now catch this holy breath, and live in my love. This is what it's about. Live in my love. And what's fascinating about this verse is the transmission of the Holy Spirit is tied to what? The forgiveness of sins. Right. The forgiveness of sins. That's the next line. Yes. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The transmission of the Holy Spirit is tied to the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. The subsequent verses with St. Thomas, oh, there's a lot there. But if there's anything striking about it, is the relationship between Thomas and the church. Why? Because wherever Thomas went, mm-hmm. he was isolated. Yeah. 
Faith is a personal act, mm-hmm. but Debbie, it is not an isolated act, no. right? No. It is an act that belongs within the community. community. And so the life of the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of sins, overcoming our uh, fears, um, all of it, right, belongs in the life of the community, the life of the church. And it might be subtle, but I assure you, St. John wants us to see this point, that there is an encounter going on here. And we find that encounter in the upper room within the context of the apostolic church. Isn't that fascinating? It's beautiful. Father shared a story that has stuck with me. Gosh, this I probably heard this story 13 or 14 years ago. And um, he said there was a, a woman in his parish who had six children. She had this wonderful conversion. And she was in the church probably six hours a day. He said she was there for everything. Hmm. The children weren't there, but she was there praying by herself, enjoying the quiet, enjoying the silence. And one day he went up to her and said, woman, what is your vocation? Mm. And it struck up a conversation that she didn't think she could be holy at home Mm. and that she could be holy by herself here in the church. Interesting. Yeah. She was trying to isolate herself when we all know that our children are going to bring us to sanctity, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and our <Yeah>. spouses. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how God set it up. Your vocation is a mother and a wife, not a nun. Yeah. You're not a cloistered nun. So going off by ourselves and, and um, running from the fear, possibly, of whatever that is, Thomas finds is not the route to go. Yeah, and it's striking because what has Satan done there? Let's just call right. it for what it is. He's... He's hijacked the essence of what it's about. Right. You know, certainly you uh, go to mass, uh, you go to church to pray and to be strengthened in your walk. Right. Uh, but that points to something. For your mission. Exactly. That points to your primary vocation. Your- um, our primary vocation is to be sons and daughters of God. Right. Uh, to be in God. But it never stops it being just in God. We exist for other. And as a, a wife and a mother... Um, in the story you tell, her four other was for who? Her children. Right. Her well, children. And, and the, I remember, I remember feeling that way. Oh, When sure. I first had yeah. my little Pentecost experience, mm-hmm. you just want to be with God. I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but it was just like God reached down and said, Debbie, get home. They don't see you here. They see me in you at home. Yeah. Yeah. And, and oh, by the way. And when you are with your children, you are also with God. <laughs> oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Because he doesn't just live at church. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, one of the beautiful truths that comes to us from sacred scripture is that the Son of God lived here on earth for how long with his parents? 30 years. Yeah. 30 years. More than 90% of his life mm-hmm. was lived in the humble confines in Nazareth with Mary and Joseph. Three years. Three years was he in mission. Right. right, and so we we are made to discern mm-hmm. um, each and every one of us how that dynamic plays out in our life. But be rest assured, obviously, just not the Catholic Church, but any Christian church puts an emphasis on the sacrament of vocation as the place where God calls you to and, holiness and community. The Catechism tells us that our families are little domestic churches, and then we're in our parish church, mm-hmm. and we're in our universal church. Yes. Yes. And it's this beautiful saint-making machine. Yep. That's what it is. So Amen. 
isolating ourselves does nothing to make us holier. We all need to be, we need to have those experiences with our brothers and sisters. We aren't orphans. We're, mm-hmm. we're brothers and sisters. Amen. St. John Paul II once said, within this context, Debbie, God saves us in communion. Yeah. God saves us in communion. Why? Because what are we talking about? The very life of God is interpersonal communion. The very life of God is fellowship. Mm -hmm. The very life of God, love given, love received, and love shared, is the essence of what we are called to participate in. And we do that here on earth, Mm -hmm. in our families, in our parish communities, and in the global church, the universal church, the Catholic church, the Catholic church, right? right? This is the beauty of our faith, that no matter what we do or where we go, we are encountering the church, Right. right? The church. Christ came that we should never say he or she is my stranger. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? We have to go there. We have to see those who we would never dream mm-hmm. of being our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to have those encounters. So important. There was a, a line in the reflections um, on Good Friday, the last seven words of Jesus This line just struck me. It says, what we will not do for God, God does for us. Mm. What we will not do for God, God does for us. God does for us. And I thought, well, because we let our fear, we let all these Mm -hmm. stumbling blocks get in the Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. But he has no problem going to the poorest of the poor. He has no problem going to the mentally ill. He has no problem loving. And he Mm -hmm. will do, say, go where we sometimes refuse. Yep. Amen to that. You know, just by way of closing thought, Debbie, we've been talking about uh, mercy each and every Sunday as kind of our special topic theme. And a point that I brought up last week, and, and I will continue to bring it up as it's impressed upon my heart, is something that's tied to Pope Francis. When Pope Francis was elected, he came at that time in March of 2013 from the poorest region in the whole world. Then uh, Cardinal Bergoglio, who was then known as the Bishop and Cardinal of the Slums, came to us in the most impoverished region in the world. Not that we're to dwell on what region is more poor than the next, but in a subtle move, God wants us to see something. We need to start paying attention to the corporal works of mercy. It's just that simple. And we need to start thinking about this more. What did we already say about love? Perfect love casts out fear. You want to overcome your fears? Go to the person on the margins. Shelter the homeless. Visit the sick. Mm -hmm. And what you'll find is a new freedom. A freedom in Christ. Because when we go to the sick, when we go to the homeless, we are going to Christ. And he will free you. Amen to that. I don't know, Debbie, if you have... Any closing thoughts? I'll, I'll close because the last thing I had here was something from Pope Francis. And when, oh, okay. you, when, okay. you, when you quoted him, I just okay. went, oh my goodness. To change the world for the better, it is necessary to do good to those who are unable to return the favor. Gosh, that's beautiful. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.